0: Last weekend, we spoke at a couples event called Creating Connected Couples. One of the questions asked from the audience was, how do I stop being so defensive?
1: Ooh, such a good question and such an important topic. So much so that I couldn't believe we haven't done an episode on it until now. That's crazy. In fact, one of the most challenging personality traits we encounter in couples coaching is chronic defensiveness in today's episode we're going to talk about why we think this is such a problem in relationships and what you can do to fix it did you know the average couple waits six years to get help in their marriage
0: yeah that's six years of pain hurt and frustration
1: hi there i'm Charlotte snow and i'm robert snow and welcome to master your marriage
0: where we believe that having an amazing marriage should never feel like hard work and shouldn't be a guessing game.
1: This is the show for married couples who want to discover a scientifically proven approach to building a masterful marriage and have fun while doing it.
0: So if that's you, you're in the right place. Let's dive in. This episode is probably long overdue because chronic defensiveness has had such a profound and negative effect on all relationships. When we sit down with couples and explain the harmful effects of defensiveness, they soon realize how much of a drag this habit has had in their relationship. Mm -hmm. And often, it is the most difficult hurdle they have to cross as a couple. Mm
1: -hmm. Defensiveness is so corrosive to relationships. It's poisonous to two very important aspects of relationships. First is trust. The other is communication. It destroys trust because trust is formed through our ability to be able to listen empathetically and non-defensively to one another. Absolutely. So when we react defensively, our partner starts to protect themselves and put up walls, which also destroys communication by shutting communication down.
0: Absolutely. And yet what's interesting is that defensiveness is perhaps more prevalent today than ever before. I know. In the polarized ideological climate in which we live, we're much more likely to encounter defensive behavior or at least feel defensive ourselves because there are so many tense subjects going on all around us.
1: Mm-hmm. There is this emotional crisis happening in the world that really gained traction, I'd say, over the last few years. Yeah, Chronically, our adrenaline and our cortisol levels, which you know are our stress hormones, uh-huh. they've been high and they continue to be high And because of that, we're just innately defensive.
0: We're just fired up all the time. Right. Yeah. And this defensiveness is flowing into our marriages and our intimate relationships.
1: So whether it's for the sake of your marriage or other family relationships or for our own health, it's a good idea to learn how to manage defensiveness.
0: Okay. So let's talk about the psychology of defensiveness.
1: So all defense mechanisms are a primal part of who we are. But what we're talking about isn't physically defending ourselves. It's emotionally defending. Being defensive means rushing to defend yourself when you're faced with an uncomfortable situation or a feeling rather than being able to sit in it, listening and really talking about whatever that problem is.
0: So defensiveness really is a coping strategy. Mm -hmm. It makes you feel better only in the moment. But it's not a positive strategy because the cleanup afterward is far, far worse.
1: Yeah, it's a mess. Yeah. In fact, it's very, a very damaging coping strategy because it leads to greater dissatisfaction in the relationship, which, of course, over time switches that habit of mind to become negative where we're looking for the negative traits in our partner rather than the positive traits in our partner. Yep. And also it builds resentment and it's going to, again, erode trust and shut down that communication, which of course is gonna stop all progress towards creating compromise.
0: Yeah. And compromise is so important when you're trying to have a conversation.
1: Or when you have a conflict and you're trying to find some middle ground.
0: Yeah. So defensiveness basically is a temporary avoidant behavior. Mm-hmm. But what pain or discomfort are we really avoiding? And what was the underlying reason for that defensiveness? Ah.
1: Such a great question. So there's lots of different reasons why we get defensive. Most likely, it's an uncomfortable negative emotion that contains echoes from the past. Okay. So for example, emotions like shame or guilt or embarrassment or the feeling of being unappreciated. These are all examples of possible emotions that can trigger that reactionary defensive stance especially when those emotions are connected to past unresolved negative emotions.
0: I like that unresolved negative emotion. And so similarly to that, insecurities that we have that mm-hmm. we, haven't, you know, we haven't told anybody about, they can also trigger our defensiveness. Mm-hmm. Things that you unconsciously believe about yourself that you don't want other people to find out.
1: Right. So, for example, things like, oh, I don't want anybody to find out because I'm not perfect. Oh, my God or I'm not good enough or smart enough, I'm not capable enough. And making a mistake can feel like a weakness that you're not comfortable with letting other people see. You don't want the world to see. And when that criticism that you're getting and when it aligns with your own unconscious limiting beliefs about yourself, then that can be especially triggering as well.
0: So defensiveness can also be triggered by past unresolved negative experiences or traumas. For example, if you grew up with a judgmental, highly critical parenting style. We may be vigilant to avoid perceived micromanaging or any controlling behavior because we don't want that in our life. So we act or react with defensiveness. Like, don't put that on me.
1: Yeah, don't control me. Yeah. Right. And one more example of maybe reasons why we get defensive are feelings of helplessness. Helplessness can also trigger defensiveness, especially when it's helplessness that's stemming from a lack of confidence in your own abilities or your abilities to be able to manage certain problems. There's
0: so many potential causes for this defensiveness, and working with a coach or therapist may help you to identify and heal the root cause so that this defensiveness or these triggers lose their power over you. This is what we do in private coaching sessions using timeline therapy techniques.
1: One thing I think we should talk about, I think we should talk about what defensiveness looks like and what sounds, it all sounds like, okay. because it can be kind of sneaky and and oftentimes I think we're not aware of the fact that we're even doing it. So, what are some characteristics? How do we d- how do we identify defensive traits?
0: Right. So, some defensive traits are like when you have a knee jerk reaction, like just always going to just like flap the handle for some reason, or um, you don't take feedback very well, mm-hmm. or you, and this is common. You make excuses for your own, your own behavior, um, or this one's pretty pretty challenging when you can't stand to show any weaknesses, mm. or you care about protecting your self image at all cost. Right. These are all just sort of that whole "I'm not enough" category.
1: Mm. Yeah. In John Gottman's divorce research, he was able to predict with 90% accuracy, which relationships would fail based on certain behavioral patterns that had been proven to destroy relationships. Mm -hmm. And one of those patterns he called the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Oh, boy. Which we've talked about numerous times on past episodes. Yep. The first horseman that rides in is usually criticism and or contempt or both together. And in the couples that he labeled as the, quote, disasters, that criticism was almost always returned with defensiveness. And when that happened, the the conversation continued to spiral out of control and to escalate into more negativity.
0: Yeah, criticism, contempt is always going to be met with defensiveness. Mm -hmm. And what Dr. Gottman identified were two primary ways in which the partners fired back with this defensiveness. Mm -hmm. First is a counterattack. It's probably my favorite. And as we use the counterattack, It's usually stronger than the original attack. So if you hit me with a 10-pound cannonball, I'm going to hit you with a 60-pound cannonball. Bigger and better. Always got to go stronger.
1: Yep. And the other way to be defensive...
0: This one's a little bit... Not strange, but I always find it interesting.
1: It's that it's playing the innocent victim posture. And this is also, what most people don't realize, another form of defensiveness. And what this sounds like is whining, a lot of whining. So it's like, oh, you're always picking on me. Why is it always my fault? Why can I never do enough to please you? Why don't I ever get credit for what I do around here? Whine, whine, whine. And this is also a form of defensiveness.
0: And here's the thing. Defensive behavior will keep creating more defensive behavior and more negative outcomes. It becomes part of a chain reaction of negativity. It's a vicious cycle that might start with one person perceiving feedback as a little bit negative, and then it ignites the sequence of negative after negative behavior.
1: Right. And the longer, honestly, that we wait to address chronic defensiveness, the more difficult it really does become to break the pattern because the behavior just becomes more and more automated.
0: Yeah, this is this is really challenging in couples who are just sort of just deep into just in defensiveness green. back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about solutions. So the question is, is it possible to downregulate or slow down this defensiveness in our relationships? Yes. Okay, so we have some suggestions. The first suggestion to overcome defensiveness is prevention. We talked about this chronic state of stress that we're all sort of rolling in right now, Mm -hmm. um, where the world around us is just hypervigilant and we're generally upset. And this chronic stress state um, Mm -hmm. takes our reserves all the way down to like one percent and sort of like a cell phone battery that's at one percent there just isn't much to give before the cell phone turns off and or we kind of snap true so coming up with things that ground you that will recharge your battery like meditation yoga breathing practices like heart math when we bring our autonomic nervous system back into balance it refills our reserves and then we're more emotionally resilient
1: Mm, good suggestion so the first one was prevention The second suggestion for overcoming defensiveness is identifying the trigger, right, and then creating an alternate choice. So finding out what the trigger is and then coming up with an alternate strategy. So that first means we have to become aware of what it is that's setting us up for being defensive. This is a great place to start. So here's a way that you might think about this and ways that you might be able to identify your specific triggers for defensiveness first question I would ask you is, how do you know it's time to get defensive? Okay, sit with that question for a minute. How do you know it's time to get defensive? The next question I would ask you is, can you think of an actual specific time recently that you got defensive? Maybe you can think of a few times, but if you go back, if you go back to one specific time in your mind, then ask yourself and just kind of replay that that memory, the movie of that memory, what was the very first thing that had to happen for you that caused you to get defensive? What was the first thing that happened had to happen? Was it something you saw? Was it something specifically like maybe you saw a specific look on someone's face, right? Maybe it was something you heard a specific tone of voice or a a specific word that set you off. Or maybe it was something you felt try to just slow down that movie, slow down that process. And what is the pattern that you are actually running? If you can identify the pattern, here's the secret. If you can identify that pattern, you can interrupt that pattern.
0: So maybe, for example, when you feel criticized, this criticism causes a feeling of inferiority or, or not enough. Right. Um, and then that feeling leads you to become defensive or have defensive thoughts and actions.
1: Exactly. So that would be like the step-by-step slowing down the movie. And if that's true, then what you can do is you can insert a step into that strategy that interrupts that outcome. So it interrupts that defensiveness from happening. Pattern interrupt. A pattern interrupt. Yep. Yep. So if you think about ahead of time what you want to do instead of defensiveness, you know, whether that's a specific phrase you want to use or you want to inject some humor, you want to tell a joke, something that you can interrupt that pattern with then start visualizing yourself doing it Um, because visual rehearsal is a powerful way to retrain our automatic behaviors. Start visually rehearsing. And what that's going to do is develop that muscle of emotional intelligence.
0: I like that that the emotional intelligence is like a muscle and Mm -hmm. it does, it takes time to build emotional intelligence and we have to work on that. Practice. Okay. So the third suggestion for overcoming defensiveness is to Take responsibility for your actions. That's a big one. This step is critical to overcoming your defensive response. Yes. Accept whatever role you had in the problem because, um, as Sheryl likes to say, it's an awfully thin pancake that doesn't have two sides. Mm-hmm. And, and, and own your part in that. And then de-escalate. Even if they feel like your spouse should have been kinder, should have been nicer, should have phrased it differently, there are always two choices in any conflict. Escalate or de-escalate.
1: Yeah. And this is a common thing we hear. If someone feels like they were attacked, oftentimes they'll say, well, why should I have to be the one to de-escalate when I'm not the one who started it? Like, this is a common thing we hear.
0: Yeah, but you were there, so.
1: Mm -hmm. Right. And again, you have a choice. You can either make things worse and you can escalate the conversation or you can de-escalate.
0: Okay, so some phrases we can use to maybe de-escalate the conversation, and these might be worth writing down as right.
1: Okay, so what can we say to de-escalate?
0: Um, I might be wrong here.
1: Or I can see my part in all of this.
0: Or how can I make things better?
1: Or just I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. Um, I blew that. I'm sorry. Let me try again.
1: You know what? You're right. That's that's a fair point.
0: Or I'm I'm starting to come around to see your perspective.
1: Or, you know what? Just help me understand. Help me understand your your point of view.
0: Maybe so Tell me about your concerns on this topic.
1: Mm. You know what? I want to be gentler with you right now, but I'm just not sure I know how.
0: Okay. Or what do you feel and what do you need in this situation?
1: Good. Those are some great, great examples of reparative
0: de-escalation I love the repair language. So one of our last suggestions is to act in alignment with your values. Mm. Think about what you want as the outcome of your conversation. If you think that winning is the outcome of the conversation, then maybe we suggest that you think about something else. What are the values that are important to you in the context of your relationship?
1: Yeah, this is really important. Um, And it's actually one of the very first exercises we do with clients is we help them to identify Mm -hmm. their most important values as they relate to their relationship. This is so that they can um, start making decisions and act in a way that's in accordance with these values, these things that are so deeply important to them, both on a conscious level, but also on an unconscious level. Absolutely. When we don't act in a way that is in integrity with our values, it causes so much internal strife and stress and conflict. So we're going to tell you how we guide our clients to identifying what their core values are. So grab a piece of paper and at the top of the paper write, what is important to me in the context of my relationship? What is important to me?
0: So, for example, maybe it's vulnerability. Maybe it's trust, safety, respect. Just keep listing everything that's important to you in the context of your relationship. Put them on a paper. Put them in order from most important to least important.
1: And you might have five things on the list. You might have a hundred things on the list. But after you order it, you want to look at that list and really pay attention to the top 10 things that are on your list. These are your, your, your highest priority values. Yes. And what I want you to think about is as you look at those things, what would my highest self do in this particular situation? How would he or she react instead in order to act in accordance with your values.
0: And then ask yourself, what will happen if I act in alignment with these values? Might I feel less stressed? Mm -hmm. Will I have more peace? Definitely. Will I be more congruent in my actions? Yes. Will I then be less defensive and take things less personally?
1: Yeah. So let's Before we move on, just real quick, I want to recap those four things, those four suggestions. The first one was to be, to take prevention. Yeah. To do preventative meditation, yoga, exercises, or whatever. The second thing was to identify the trigger and then create an alternative choice. Instead of acting the way you're currently acting, what do you want to do instead? The third suggestion is to take responsibility, at least for your part. And then the last, the fourth thing is to act in alignment with your values. So I think we have um, maybe just a few more thoughts for you if you are the person who is receiving a lot of the defensiveness. If you have a chronically defensive partner, what can you do? Well, you might be unaware of how perhaps you're coming across how you might be possibly triggering their defensiveness when I know your goal is really just to simply solve a problem. Or find peace. Or find peace, yeah. So here's a few tips for you. Um, The first one is to remember always, always, always begin any feedback with a gentle start. And we have a whole episode back in the past that you can go listen to on this, but always begin with a gentle start because however we start a conversation, it determines how that conversation is going to go. What else?
0: Well, I would say that we want to make sure that we're not riding any of the four horsemen into this conversation. And remember, the first is criticism and contempt. So make sure to avoid criticism, especially blaming statements or you statements. Mm -hmm. You can make requests, but avoid making statements about your partner's character. Right. Um, If there's a responsibility on your side, own it, even if it's a small part. And this will make it easier for your partner to take responsibility as well. And lastly, try not to control their behavior as this will likely trigger them into more defensiveness.
1: (laughs) Yes. And usually when couples are starting to implement, and they know this, oftentimes it it becomes like, well, you're doing that wrong. And they're still trying to control their behavior. They're trying to coach, yeah. Yeah. So I will tell you that one of the things that I have really had to change in myself is this control piece. Um, And to do that, I had to step into trusting and letting go of things that I can't control. And that includes Robert right? So trying to control our spouse is also us not trusting them. And that causes a lot of pressure between you. It causes a lot of internal pressure and stress. And so I've been learning over the last three decades (laughs) to lean into trusting him in his capabilities and his leadership and his strengths. And the more I do that, and the more I trust him, the more confidence he has and I know that I can still express my needs, but I can really let go of my expectations around how he does it or how he does things. I He doesn't need to do things in the way that I would do things. And in a lot of relationships, this is the source of so much defensiveness. Absolutely. And I know it was for us. And, you know, when I'm not controlling and criticizing and I surrender and allow him the space to do things in his way we both have the opportunity to relax and to be at peace
0: and i think that's an important message not just because she was talking about me but but because i think that we need to we need to do this on both sides of the relationship of course right we absolutely need to allow our partner the space to to work in a way that works best for them and trust that they have our relationship's best interests at heart and that the things that they were doing were going to be able to build us both.
1: Today, we talked about ways to avoid triggering someone into defensiveness, and we also talked about ways to overcome chronic defensiveness in ourselves. Thank you for joining us today. If this episode helped you, resonated with you, would you do us a favor and subscribe and leave us a five-star review and a comment? It really does help us get this message out to other people who need our help. And as always, be kind to each other, take care of each other, put each other first. Remember, it's the small and simple things we do every day that create strong relationships. Until next time.
0: Thank you for listening to Master Your Marriage. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, then we want to hear from you. Just go to MasterYourMarriagePodcast.com and send us your question.
1: Oh, and while you're there, you can also check out our retreats and events and even apply for coaching.
0: And make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get advanced notice of when the next episode drops, plus show notes and many extras. Thanks again for tuning in.